Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So why don't we do this? Why don't we read this aloud together this morning? This is actually my favorite part of the whole Christmas story, all the different narratives, and this is number four in a series that we've been doing Advent over. And uh, I just, I love this story because uh, it, it speaks of going across cultural boundaries and all of that. And believe it or not, it's actually not a part of the actual birth Christmas story, but we'll get into that in a minute. So let's read this together. It's Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring bring back word to me, I'm sorry, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Lord, thank you for your word. Well, a couple of things I want to point out before we look at the reactions is this. There's a time shift here, and most of your movies that you get or retelling of the story, uh, they make this at the same time that, that Jesus being born. This is actually probably a couple years after his birth. Uh, we know that from the the narrative in the story that it talks about him being a young child, uh, which translated, it's, he's not an infant here. He's, he's probably a toddler. And, uh, and so the, the birth and all that is already passed. And the other thing to notice here and that we don't, don't understand, these guys coming into Jerusalem and everything, um, you know, you always get the, the, the storyline, you see it in the movies where there's three guys on camels and, you know, and they come in kind of secretly into Jerusalem. This was an entourage. This was delegates from another land and they probably didn't come quietly 
and they probably came with quite a few servants with them and other people with them, and they were probably pretty heavy laden with gifts and traveled a long ways. They had to take food with them. They had to do all that. So this wasn't like, you know, it's like today. It's, it's like if, uh, I don't know, pick a ruler. Uh, if Queen Elizabeth decided to visit America uh, right now and today, they were, you know, the cameras would be rolling, the lights would be out, the, the queen's coming. You know, it would have been that. That's the same type of thing that would have happened with these three men that are pictured here, these ambassadors that are coming from a land far away and coming into Jerusalem. So this wasn't like, uh, they probably knew that they were going to arrive days before they got there. And they were already questioning, you know, what does this mean? You know, it, uh, you know what ruler is coming into our land? Um, though the Romans aren't mentioned here, they had to be aware of it. Because they were already in control of Bethlehem, Jerusalem, all, the, all those cities where King Herod was. And so it's not quite the picture that we always get in those movies. So I want to ra- get you to wrap your head around this. This is, uh, this is actually quite an event. And it didn't happen bang, bang, bang like we're reading it here. You know, there's got to be set up. Who do they want to meet with? They want to meet with the... With the rulers, so they got to establish a whole process, and they go through that. So it's a really, it's an interesting story to me. And then you look at the reactions of the people that they're coming to, and I think what this does is it speaks to us what we can learn from it as we look at the narrative and say, what is this Christmas story really, really like? Well, it speaks to our hearts. If you look at the way Herod reacted. Um, he was scared, probably, unnerved who these people were. Um, he's a little edgy. There's an interruption in his life that he wasn't expecting. He has some hostility in him. He's trying to get the, 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 the religious leaders to go tell him, hey, what's going on here? He's not, why are they asking to view a king? I'm king, but I don't really get to rule. I'm sort of a puppet king uh, because the Romans control me. What, what do they mean? What are they after? Um, and I imagine this is the, the result. This child's going to interfere with my lifestyle a whole bunch right now. What the heck is going on? Well, I think we can get that way at Christmas. Um, it feels disruptive. It's out of balance. That's a lot of work. I imagine there are a lot of, uh, um, maybe even um, majority of the women in here who got up this morning and started making preparations. Yes? Some of you? A couple of you are, you know, and, uh, and guys getting helped and, and getting uh, in there to peel potatoes and that sort of stuff. So you can hear what I did this morning. As we're getting ready to do all that. And it's, you know, it interferes with your normal, you know, this. And, and then, of all things, they even have a Chiefs game on today. Why do they do that on a holiday? And that's just, now that'll disrupt whole Christmas afternoon. You know, you get all that kind of little bit of stuff going on. And we get like Herod. Just get a little, mm. you want the holiday spirit and you're a little grumpy at the same time. Yeah? 
Another way of doing it is look at, looking at the scribes and the priests. And here's the thing. They're so engrossed in their religion and study, they can't actually seem to recognize what's going on, you know? They have dignitaries come. They start searching the books. They don't really comprehend what they're hearing or seeing because this is how you know this. None of them drop what they're doing and go with these guys to find the kid. Oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's what we know. Bye. Enjoy the trip. Know you've been traveling a long ways. They don't even hear what they're saying, do they? You can get so busy at Christmas time, you don't recognize you're in patterns. You're just doing the same stuff. You treat Christmas the same way. Christmas should be celebrated every year, special, new, free. And that's not an admonishment, that's an invitation. That how we can, in our hearts, take it back in. And you look at the wise men. They've given up everything. They've turned aside because uh, they know that something's happening. Now, you know, you can go through the thing. They were magi. They were astronomers. Uh, they were astrologers. They were this and that. Uh, none of us really know for sure what, you know, what their background was. But I tell you what, they were smart enough to figure out that there were signs in the sky and something was going on that was incredible, and they wanted to find out what it was. They didn't know what it was. They came to find out. But how it is through their studies, maybe it was their own ancient texts. I've watched, read stuff on that. You probably have too. Whatever was happening in the cosmos at that time, 2,000 years ago, upended their world and they made plans to go find out so if that star appeared like the other narratives talk about at his birth and there were angels and angel activity in the sky and they're seeing it miles away it probably took them a couple years but they made plans in their heart to go find out to seek out the child it's interesting I thought of Psalm 53, in verse 1, says this, The fool is said in his heart, There's no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. But God looks down from heaven, listen to this, upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. These guys wanted to seek God. God looks down at us, even at this time of the year, Christmas again, he looks down and he goes, are you seeking? You just ask that question. Not in a judgmental way. I don't think, I don't, we're, we're judged. <laughs> Not in that sort of way, but God just looking into your heart. You can lay your heart open before him during this time of the year. Go, man, I, I'm hungry for God. I want, I want more. I have all and I want more. I'm satisfied, and I want more. I want to taste more. I want to know more. I want to understand more. And I want to walk this out in such a way, not to earn favor with him, but so that my ears hear and know and understand and comprehend how delighted he is with me. He just, he, you know, and I said it last week, it affected a few people. I got to hear 
you know, feedback. But the thing about Christmas wasn't for Jesus. Christmas is for you. He didn't do this for himself. He did this for you and I. It's stunning. So Christmas is, I, I know, and we hear all this, you've got to know the reason for the season and all that. I agree, but there's more to it than that. I'm the reason for the season. So are you. Jesus did this thinking of you, dwelling on you, meditating on you. He came. Isn't that incredible? We're the object of his love. It's, it's, it's just mind-blowing to me. Let's look at these wise men. I want to look at them again. Because there's stuff in what they really do at this point in time and from this narrative. I think the Lord would speak to our hearts fresh and new. So in this narrative, in verse 9 and 10, we hear this. When they heard the king, Herod, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. That's moving very rapidly. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a meteor shower. Can you imagine that star just moving ahead of them? Till it came and stood where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they hadn't even seen the child yet. When they saw the signs of him, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. What does rejoicing with exceedingly great joy sound like? Hallelujah. You know, by the way, I think Leonard Cohen, who's gone to heaven, would be okay with people changing the lyrics to his song and singing a Christmas carol to it. But is it anybody follow Leonard Cohen? So, okay, just Lloyd. <laughs> He's a great songwriter. And... Uh, you know, he had an incredible voice, if you like rasp. A couple of you got that. They rejoiced. What would, this morning, what would you rejoicing exceedingly look like to you? Woo-hoo! There you go. Thank you. It would, it would be a, I don't care what you think, rejoicing. If it's exceedingly great joy, then that means it's, abundant, it's flowing out of you. It's affecting everybody. You, you know, people are walking down the street looking at you like this. Uh, because you're, you're rejoicing. We love it when we see a YouTube video or you get on Facebook and something spontaneous breaks out. You kind of wish you could do that and then your inhibitions start taking back over and you go, yeah, I'd never pull that off. First of all, I can't sing. But what would happen if we really did have that? So we see them, they're rejoicing again. They've been wondering for two years, maybe more. And they rejoice again over the gift of God himself. But there's more. You look at verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. See, here's what happens. And this is what Christmas really is. When you start seeing the star and you want to start rejoicing in your heart, here's what that means. 
there's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to come into the house. It's an invitation to intimacy with God. Oh, come on yeah. There's no cleaning the feet at the door. There's no procedures to do. They just come in to the house. Jesus wants you to enter back into his story. If it's felt maybe cold and distant this year, maybe God hasn't answered prayer and you feel estranged from him. Maybe it's your intimacy hasn't been there and you wish you had worship more as the forefront in your life. It's not an issue of gaining favor, but it is an issue of this. Jesus inviting you into intimacy. It happens every Christmas. Oh, come in here. Come on in. Come on into the house. They did. They came in and they saw the gift that he was. That's when you worship. When you're reminded that he did this for you. He came for you. He came to be you. He died in a cross as you. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. And it just it, it reconciles that thing within us that struggles with intimacy. God inviting you in and he wants you to come into the house and fall down and worship. The next thing they do, I think, is it, it's such a picture of our humanity. When they had opened their treasures. Now remember, they got a lot of stuff. So they're unpacking this stuff. They come into the house. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? You know, like, they don't have a whole lot. We, we know the story. And these very wealthy people start, you know, was it a little treasure chest? Was it, you know, was it a little, little thing? I don't think so. We all know this was a king. I think, you know, I picture like the pirate's chest, you know, and they flip it open and there's all that gold running out, you know. And they give the child this gold, you know, and it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I also think it speaks of something else. When they opened up their treasures, it's really this. It was an act of humility. It symbolizes opening up their lives. The things that are dear to them is honesty and transparency before God. Even as a young child, it's go, here it is. Everything I have, it's yours. So what are the gifts? Give him gold. That's the first thing that's mentioned. It's symbolic of what they possessed, their earthly goods. They gave back out of what God had given to them already. Extravagant, freeing. You think of the scripture where it says, Jesus teaching, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, it is not wrong to have treasure. It's good. It's good to prosper before the Lord. It's also good to open up that treasure trove before him. And let him know. It's the, it's the giving back of what he gave you. And, you know, there's no mention, by the way, we can get, 
you know, and some people believe in this, some people don't. But there's no mention of tithe here. There's no, uh, I've got this whole chest full of gold, but uh, here's your part. They open it up. It says they opened up their treasures. They, they, they open up their lives. Everything that is their sustenance. Here's the other thing it does. This is what's hard to understand. You giving your stuff away, especially at this time of the year, does something inside of you. It does something to us. To help somebody else, to help others, to help do it. It, do, it works something in about us within the Christmas message that does something in our hearts. You know, uh, uh, mentioning those people giving. I, I tell you what, I want to, not out of guilt trip, manipulation, or anything else, find a way to give away some of your money during this time of the year. If it's to church, woohoo! You get from the from the pastor. Uh, there's a place. Give it here, but give something away. Why do I have to? No, you don't have to. But there's something about opening up your treasures that God uses. There's something in us. There's something in the way that that we are wired. I don't gain any net worth or value before God by giving stuff away. But there's something in the way I'm wired that I do want to give back. There's a recognition inside of me. Oh God, you've been so good. You have been so faithful to me. And um, I've gone through this before. With, well, I want to know that where I give is like it's going to get used for right stuff. Ah, let me tell you something. Just get, give it away. Give it away to somebody in line at the store. Give it away to somebody that shares something and it pricks your heart and you hear it and you walk away and then you always, uh, if you're like, what happens with that, then you didn't do anything and then a half hour later you're going, I think I just missed the Lord there. That was an opportunity. And I should have done something right then. I'm telling you, it does something in our relationship with God that is monumental. It, it breaks up, I don't know whether it's creaky hardness, the crustiness that gets in in our lives, and not deciding who's worthy or not worthy. Um, you know, this, I, I, so transparent confession, it's church. Um, you know, you see the people on the street corner and stuff, and I normally don't do anything. But this time of the year, I do. I don't care. Well, they're making $40,000 a year. I don't care. Give them a dollar. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're actually, they're just wearing that clothes and they got that little cardboard sign because that's a whole scheme. Stop it. Just give them a buck. Give them $5. Give them $20. Give them $100. Why? Because it does something in your heart. It does something there. It, 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 as we open up our treasury... There's something that's connected with what we feel and know and interact with about God in our hearts that's tied to money, tied to giving. God wants us. It frees us. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your feelings, your emotions. 
And I that, it's fun and good. And I know this, and you can't use this as a motive, but here's the secret equation. When he watches you do that, something happens in his heart. Well, he loves you anyway, whether you give or not. Of course. I preach it here all the time. You can't earn God's love. I tell you what, there's something in the relational aspect that your heart gets more attuned with how delighted he really is with you when you do something like that. Don't get all weird and religious. Don't tell anybody. You know, no, tell people. Tell people you help somebody. There's, there's wonder in that. Well, you'll lose the reward. Now you're getting religious on it. Don't do that. Just, just rejoice and, and help. And it does something to other people. It's just incredible. Second one is frankincense. Symbolic of prayer. Come into the house this year and give your prayer back to God. Um, Prayer's the language of faith and trust, isn't it? We pray most when we have need. We pray most when we have fear. We pray most when we're conflicted and perplexed. Isn't that strange? That's when we pray the most. We pray most when we are weak. So prayer is an aspect of being weak before God. Here's what I think this speaks to us. Give God your weakness. Bring it back. Give him the weakness of your prayers, of unanswered prayers. I've been praying for this thing for four years. Well, give him that. Give it back to the child. But I haven't seen just let loose of the weakness. I really think that's what it's speaking of here. Is this idea of incense, this stuff that we want to rise up for God. And, you know, and, and I, I, I bet you if we queried all of us in here, I have as many unanswered prayers as I, as I have answered ones. Why? Uh, that's a wrong word. Why has an accusation in it? Prayer is a learning. Prayer is a returning to trust. Prayer is taking my weak words and going, God, I really want to see you move in this. Prayer brings me back to, you know what? Even if I never got one more answer in prayer, I am his answer. He answered me by saving me. He answered me by rescuing me. How how can it not be that? Maybe you're discouraged in prayer this morning. Give him that. Come in at Christmas time, just lay it out, lay out all that weak stuff. And so it's not an idea of strength, it's an idea of laying your weakness. Then you come to myrrh. Myrrh was a it was made from a shrub, and it was mixed with oil. And it became a liquid perfume, if you will. And it became a liquid medicine. It, it was given things. It was used for burial. It had a very pungent odor with it that took away the odor of death and decay. What's it symbolic of? 
bitterness. It tastes very bitter. Um, it was actually used to, if you've ever looked at the, the word gall, that, a drink that was served to Jesus on the cross. Okay, gall was wine, um, more like vinegar, but it, it had myrrh mixed in it because it numbed pain. This is what I believe this represents for us. At the very time of worshiping a child, God wants you to present to him and lay at his feet all of your bitterness, all of your pain, unforgiveness, all those things that cause your life to go... And he receives it. Stunning. You can give it all up right right there again. I'm reminded of what John Lynch says. This is what we know to be absolutely true about God. And you can even give up this bitterness. Where you know you've hurt his heart. Maybe by your actions, your deeds, your thoughts. And you feel like you've hurt him. You can give that up right then and right there. Because he will never hurt yours. He has no intention of doing that. So this is what wise people do. They give back. We receive the gift at Christmas, but if we're really wise... We give back a gift and gifts. Main thing is, we give back ourselves. Proverbs 13.20 says this, He who walks with wise men will be wise. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to get ready to uh, Dismiss and take communion. But before you do, I want you to spend some time praying and give back to the Lord this morning. Imagine yourself coming into the house, seeing the child. This is what Ephesians 5 says about being wise. I think it's really important, really, really key for us to walk away today with something, not, not just the, the stunningness of the Christmas message, but the stunningness of our relationship to God in this. So Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take a... a, moment to pray and you're going to receive the gift of communion this morning this isn't about your backslidden or any of that I don't don't even know what that word means anymore 
This is about coming, laying your life down. Just take the time. He receives it. He gave away to you. Give back to him this morning. Give back to him maybe the symbols of those three gifts. Give your life back to him. Be wise. Walk with wise men. Walk close to the Lord. This, this passage in Ephesians is saying, man, walk. days are evil. We're supposed to be wise people. That means I want to walk very closely with God. Now, is God disappointed with you? No. He's delighted with you no matter what. But there was a song uh, from a Christmas presentation years ago that the line in it says this, Christmas isn't Christmas till it's Christmas in your heart. That's just not. He wants to touch our hearts. So I want us just, us to, just to take a few minutes as the worship team is playing and not to, don't get, it's not do business with the Lord. Come into the house again this morning. Just spend a few minutes meditating.